and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Chris Merrill in for Mike Broomhead today. KTAR. Trying to see here. Where did it go? Yeah, here we go. Colorado's 3rd Congressional District was supposed to be a lock for uh, Lauren Boebert. Uh, expected to win handily, or easily, I should say. It was in the expected to win easily category for uh, the, uh, the New York Times. However, uh, up until about 40 minutes ago... Lauren Boebert was behind Adam Frisch, who was the Democrat in um, in that rural area there, which encompasses a very, very large area of um, of Colorado. Um, the latest tranche, and you never hear that word used outside of elections, the latest tranche of votes came through, however, and with nearly 99% counted, Lauren Boebert has taken... Um, uh, less than a 400-vote lead over uh, Adam Frisch. That is likely to go to a recount uh, because it's within the threshold, the 0.5% threshold. Um, uh, anyway, there are still votes out, and some have said that the votes that are still remaining may come from heavy uh, Democratic areas. Um, there are in a lot of heavy Democratic areas because it's a very large Republican uh, uh, district, uh, but there are some uh, Democrats in there. So, in the same way that uh, Arizona seems to be skewing red this time around, you still have, uh, you know, Pima County, for instance. Um, so, it's still going to be some, still going to be some some blue in there. Uh, this is a very mountainous area. It's it's much of the rural part of Colorado that uh, Bobert represents right now. Uh, Adam Frisch was supposed to get slaughtered, uh, metaphorically speaking, uh, and he was ahead again up until about the the last eh, about forty minutes ago uh, when that latest tranche came in. There is still a chance that he comes back and unseats Lauren Bobert in what was supposed to be a very safe election. She was supposed to be as safe in her district as Marjorie Taylor Greene was uh, in her Georgia district, and Marjorie Taylor Greene won handily. She tweeted out. Today, uh, I'm sure our enemies are quacking in their boots while we are still over here trying to count ballots. Hmm. No, I thought somebody doctored her tweet. I had to go check. No, she did say we were quacking in our boots. So uh, evidently someone then got to her and said, no, no, that's not how you spell quaking. You'll probably need to edit that. Uh well, she's talking about still trying to count ballots. Well, she's she's talking about the the Senate race between Raphael Warnock and um, and uh, uh, Herschel Walker, and that's going to head to a, a runoff in the same way that Warnock and Purdue did a couple of years ago in Georgia. If you don't win a majority, a plurality doesn't cut it. A majority is required over fifty percent of the vote. In most places, we say plurality is good enough. If you win the majority uh, of, uh, I can't say majority, I don't want to mix these terms. If you win, if you have more votes than anybody else, then you're elected, right? In places like Georgia and Alaska, you have to have more than 50% of the vote to be elected. Uh, So what they do then is they whittle it down to the top two candidates so that you're required then to have somebody win by 50% of of the vote uh, going forward. So in the case of Georgia, the libertarian candidate will fall off. In Alaska, I believe it's the Democratic candidate that falls off. And then you're left with um, 
uh, two Republicans who will face off uh, in a runoff there in Alaska. But either way, that seat will will remain in Republican hands in Alaska. So it's it's not of major consequence as far as the the balance in the Senate. Why does it matter if Republicans are gonna are gonna win the House? And you have to keep in mind, it doesn't matter if the Republicans uh, add 60 or 70 seats from a practical standpoint. From a morale standpoint, from a momentum standpoint, it does matter. But from a practical standpoint, it doesn't matter. If the Republicans have control of the House, they only need one more than the Democrats. Whomever hits the threshold of 218 representatives first, which is more than 50 percent, of the 435 House seats, that's the party that controls the House, uh, and then they will likely elect uh, one of their own to be the uh, to be the Speaker of the House. In this case, it's probably Kevin McCarthy. Uh, he was asked, "Do you have enough votes?" He said, "Yes." There may be a challenge from the 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 further right wings. Kevin McCarthy sort of represents this uh, establishment candidate who hasn't poo pooed necessarily uh, the the MAGA. Uh, um, Republicans in the House. McCarthy is probably going to be the uh, the speaker, even if, like Nancy Pelosi had to do last time around, even if he has to do some negotiating. Remember, Nancy Pelosi had to do some negotiating with the squad and the progressive Democrats in the House in order to get um, uh, the, the, the speaker's gavel once again. McCarthy may have to do the same thing, but he's likely to be the next speaker in the House. So if the Republicans win the, the House of Representatives, then... What does it matter who takes the Senate? Remember, all budget proposals have to start in the House, which means that the Republicans would control most of the narrative on the budget proposals. The only thing they'd have to do is maybe negotiate a little bit with the Senate in order to keep things somewhat uh, down the middle. But they would have a lot of leverage, a lot of leverage going forward, If uh, even if the Democrats control the Senate, or even if it's as it is now. Excuse me, a 50-50 split with the vice president as a tiebreaker. If you have a split in the in the the, the two houses of Congress, you in large part are going to have uh, moderation. That's one thing, and stagnation. Uh, Republicans will pass a bunch of different measures. They'll die in the in the Senate. And you end up getting not a whole lot done. We'll probably have a lot of arguing. You may see another government shutdown. That's always a, a nice little October, November, December, maybe into January uh, ritual that we have when we have a split House and Senate. We just love to shut the government down and, and, and play games. But what does it really matter who wins the Senate? Well, it matters because of the the judicial appointments. Um. Because then the Senate is all about confirming judges. Even if the Republicans control the House and the Republicans control the Senate, and let's say that they push a budget through that is uh, very, um, uh, I'll just say, GOP friendly. You know, lots of tax cuts, uh, cuts to different uh, programs, an austere uh, budget. It can still be vetoed by the president. They don't have a veto-proof majority, so it'd still be vetoed by the president. It still has to be kind of a, a moderate budget that both parties would agree on. So why does it matter if the Republicans win the House or if the Demo- or excuse me, in the, the Senate or the Democrats win the Senate if the Republicans have the House and you've got a Democrat in the White House? Remember that Mitch McConnell made huge inroads in his efforts to reform the judicial branch to the right during his time as the the Senate leader. 
a split Congress not only will derail Biden's plans, right? That's going to happen anyway. Biden's Biden's efforts are pretty much done at this point. If the Republicans control the House, it could spell disaster for his reelection efforts. But if the Dems control the Senate, they may be able to make sizable adjustments to the federal courts that would last for years to come in the same way that Mitch McConnell did. McConnell basically laid the roadmap. This is why the Senate matters so much. This is why all eyes right now are on Arizona, Nevada, and eventually Georgia. All right, we'll do We'll uh, hit. Did you hear this? It is next. Chris Merrill in for Mike Broomhead this morning. KTAR. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. It's Chris Merrill in for Mike Broomhead today on KTAR, and this is the time that we turn things over to our producer, Julia. She plays some of the sound from the biggest stories of the day, and then I will give you my gut reaction. It's a hot take. We call it, Did You Hear This? Julia. Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. ABC 15 data and political analyst Garrett Archer joined the show today and discussed a trend in Arizona voting. There is split ticket voting. It is uh, not as pronounced as, say, we've seen in the past, uh, you know, for example, with the Ducey Cinema midterms of 2018. Are you surprised that more people aren't voting straight ticket? Um, no, I think this comes back to our quality of candidate issue that we talked about uh, previously. Uh, right now, there is a there is a bifurcation in the Republican Party between the, the more business-oriented Republicans and then your uh, sort of blue-collar Republicans. I think there's a lot of MAGA support in the, the working-class Republicans and a lot of establishment support in the, in the white-collar Republicans. And so I'm not super surprised to see more of that split. I think... Uh, Many of the uh, establishment voters uh, aren't happy with the quality of candidate. I think the MAGA Republicans would have gotten behind somebody uh, who was a who was a Republican on the ticket, even if they weren't a MAGA Republican. Whereas I think some of the the, the more elite Republicans um, are not necessarily willing to back some of the you know the antics of of some of these Cary Lake types. It may take a while to find out which party will have a majority in the Senate. There is one race in our state that is going to be moving to the December 6th runoff. That is the race for the United States Senate between Senator Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker. Which party do you think will control the Senate? Oh, <laughs> whoever tells you that they think they know uh, is lying. Uh, it's it's really interesting to see that uh, Pennsylvania flipped, uh, which you would think would give Democrats an advantage. But it looks like Nevada is going to flip to the Republicans and then even out that 50-50. So eyes right now are on Arizona. If um, if Kelly wins, that's going to give the Democrats 49, the Republicans 50, uh, which means that it will come down once again to Georgia and their runoff the same way that it did two years ago. As far as who do I think? Beyond me. I'm just as uh, I'm just as anxious to see how this turns out as anybody else. Uh, it's uh, Did You Hear This? Where we go over uh, what our producer Julia has found as some of the great sound of the biggest stories of the day and then I give you my reaction uh, on Did You Hear This? 
The Consumer Price Index released new numbers today. The latest data shows inflation is cooling. Consumer prices up 7.7% over the year ending in October. But that's a significant drop from the 8.2% inflation rate a month prior and below 8% for the first time since February. Are you encouraged by the drop in the inflation rate? Yeah, I'm also worried. I'm going to dive into this a little bit deeper in our next segment. Um, I'm slightly concerned, not about the drop. I'm, I'm glad to see that, that it looks like our year over year and you know our month over month and that our year over year is coming back down uh what concerns me is the trend line and then the fed response uh, and it's listen i'm not i'm not an economist but one thing we know is that the, the science of the economy is uh only slightly more accurate than the science of meteorology uh so while i'm not an economist my guess is as good as anybody else's so i want to dive into that trend line a little bit further in the next segment we'll do that after the news The recent turmoil with Twitter has caused some users to look for other platforms. Mastodon is a non-profit social media site founded in 2017. The company says it added nearly half a million users in the last two weeks. Do you think we will see more people deactivate their Twitter accounts for other social media sites? You know, there's going to have to be a new winner come forward. There's going to have to be another draw that's going to pull the same people. Twitter, especially after they expanded from the original 140 characters, has become a great site for misinformation, but also a great site for information uh, because it's quick and uh, it's to the point and you can scroll through the videos pretty quickly uh, whereas I feel like uh, Facebook has become really clunky but unless there is a clear alternative to emerge um, I don't see a huge migration there's going to be a, a spattering but uh, think of ants at a picnic if they're if the ants are at the picnic and they're trying to eat your sandwich they all need to go to an, a watermelon right if you want to distract them from your sandwich you got to set a watermelon off to the side If you just start hoping the ants will go elsewhere, they're going to go randomly over here, randomly over there. But if you give them a focus, they'll all go to that focus. Right now, there's no focus. And we're ants at a picnic. So that's my gut on that one. Uh, That's Did You Hear This? It's Chris Marilyn from Mike Broomhead. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. It's Chris Merrill and Mike Broomhead this morning, KTAR. Uh, made mention in the last segment that we would be seeing... Um, We'd be talking about inflation, and and not only inflation, but that it's coming down. The Consumer Price Index came out, and uh, prices went up 0.4% for the month, 7.7% over a year ago. These are below estimates. 0.4% for one month is still a little bit high. Uh, Not crazy high, but it's a little bit high. We'd like to see that uh, about 0.2%. That would be ideal. Um so we're we're about we're about twice as much as what we want to be. The year over year is certainly higher than that uh, that two to three percent that we'd like to see as far as our, our overall changes. If you drop food and energy, which is like uh, not just not just um, energy is in electricity, but also heating oil, and we're talking nationwide, not a huge deal here, but uh, heating oil, gasoline, diesel prices, this sort of thing, uh, and of course food, which is where we've all been hit uh, pretty hard. Uh, then, if you if you eliminate those, 
then the, the uh, consumer price index only went up 0.3 for the month and 6.3% on an annual basis, which still means that uh, when it comes to inflation, food and gas prices and oil and derivatives are still uh, leading the way. Oil uh, derivatives of oil, not not uh, stock derivatives, uh, still leading the way when it comes to what's what's boosting the cost of things. The other thing to keep in mind is that uh, much of the inflation that we're seeing is as a result of the higher cost of transportation, of shipping, of things of that nature. So a lot of our inflation comes back to the energy, whether it's factored in um, at its face or whether it's uh, a condition of rising prices in in other products. Could be garments, could be electronics, could be you know whatever else that other sector is. It, it may be as a result of the, the higher shipping costs, uh, higher freight charges just things like that. It is good to see that the nationwide, however, the consumer price index is starting to come back down. Uh, that's great. Uh, the Fed raised interest rates again another three quarters of a percentage point. That's a pretty aggressive uh, increase. I'm concerned. Here's my concern. I'm no more qualified to talk about this than I am anything else, uh, by the way. Uh, but I do pay I do pay attention to this. And one of the uh, one of the concerns that the Fed has had all along when it came to inflation and addressing inflation concerns is uh, this this notion of of doing too much too fast and pushing us into a recession. If the Fed wanted to stop inflation, they could raise interest rates. 10 points, and inflation would cease. That would be it. The consequences of doing that, however, would be stock market crash, uh, housing market crash, um, vehicle uh, purchasing, the, the auto market crash. So they don't want to do that. They want what they call a soft landing to bring things in so that we curb inflation but we don't push the economy into a recession. I had a conversation with my son just a couple of weeks ago, and he says, "What do you think about an, uh, a recession?" And I said, "Oh, I think we're already in one." This now, mind you, this was this has been uh, two weeks, I guess. My son and I got together, and, and Gilbert and had uh, uh, had a nice dinner together at uh, Oso. Uh, and he says, "What do you think about uh, what do you think about inflation?" And I said, "I think we're already in." Or excuse me, what do you think about a recession? I think I said, "Well, I think we're already in one." The next day, <laughs> we got word that the, uh, the 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 jobs we got the jobs report that came out. And unemployment was still very low. We were still seeing hiring. So not all of the factors. We tend to say that recession is when you have two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. We had that earlier in the year. We may not have that in the third quarter, which means even if you want to use the technical definition that we hit a recession, it would be a very mild one, which is exactly what the, the, the Fed wants. My concern going forward is that we've We've addressed inflation by raising interest rates. Did we need to, with this last uh, uh, Fed opportunity, did we need to raise interest rates another three quarters of a percentage point? I'm not the expert. Not at all. But I also know that when it comes to the economy, the economy is as fickle as, as, as anything out there, which is why even the economists and the Fed can't control whether or not we hit a recession. Uh, will it happen? Uh, have they overcorrected? The other thing that we don't know, too, is, um, is quite frankly, unknown factors. For instance, the Fed didn't plan on a pandemic shutting down the economy in 2020. Didn't plan on it. Uh, and so 
you know, they didn't have any control over that. Are there unforeseen circumstances? Does if Russia drops um, a dirty bomb somewhere in Europe, it's going to send the economy into a tailspin, send the markets uh, scurrying away. People are going to freak out. It's going to be it's going to be unsettling. Uh, So the Fed doesn't really know, but they're doing the best they can. There are a number of unforeseen circumstances that could arise at any moment. My concern is that the trend line is coming down. The trend line had been coming down. Did they do too much? And only time will tell. Maybe they haven't done enough, uh, but I'm no expert. If we take a look around the country as to where we are seeing inflation that is still problematic, what city is seeing um, a consumer price index change the most. Who still has the most inflation in America? Let me see here. If I may have the envelope, please. It is Phoenix. Phoenix, the highest inflation in the country. The Phoenix Mesa Scottsdale Metro. That's just wonderful. Very excited about that. Very excited to say that we're still number one. We're number one. We're number one. We're number one. Which is why when I tell you that things are getting better, you go, doesn't feel like it. No. Consumer price index year over year in the uh, the, the valley, over 12%. Still very high. Driven predominantly by housing. There is good news, however is that the the Fed interest rate hikes seem to be having an impact on uh, new builds. As And I know this is always a problem where you're trying to balance the amount of housing that's available, uh, especially affordable housing, with with the the rising costs of housing. Uh, Because if you have not enough housing available, it drives up demand. If demand is higher than supply, then it drives up cost. But here's what we are seeing, though. It looks like fewer people are moving around. They're not shifting as much. Uh, so far this year, single-family permits are down 14% year-over-year, dropping to 21,284 permits, um, down from 24,649 permits for the same period last year. That according to the Home Builders Association of Central Arizona. So it looks like the rising interest rates are leading to a, a drop in uh, new builds anyway. Uh, Buckeye sees a 10% drop. Glendale, a 13% drop. Paradise Valley, 25% drop. Uh, Pinal County, only down 1%. Phoenix Metro, only down 1%. Uh, but it does look like that is slowing down a little bit. That is likely to impact then uh, our ranking on where inflation is rising the most. Our inflation is being driven right now largely by housing costs. That sector is, is, uh, is doing us some damage. The good news is, is that if that comes down, if that starts to slow down, because the, remember the last time we saw housing in Phoenix growing faster than anywhere else in the nation, 2007, 2008, and then crash. It was a mess here, right? I was here. I was here for it. Yeah, I got out at the right time. Sold my house, made a fortune. It was fantastic. Um, to, to a California uh, couple, don't uh, don't think that I was screwing off locals. Um, no, not at all. But the good news is if this comes down slowly, we may be able to avoid the crash that we did see, whatever that was, 13 years ago. All right, we'll talk about something completely different. For something completely different, it's next. Chris Marilyn from Mike Broomhead on KTAR. Strong value. 
news and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Uh, Chris Merrill in for Mike Broomhead at KTAR. Here's uh, just wrap the program here before we head off to uh, uh, news and uh, news expansion here at noon, and then Dave Ramsey. Um, I want to leave you with a few things that you can use to impress your friends at work today. Just make sure you tell them where you heard it, okay? Uh, the first is a sad, sad story. We call this a domestic. Uh, it comes out of Tennessee. It is a, a woman who's decided to set a house on fire because she couldn't seem to settle an argument with her son over a hamburger. This girl is on argument uh, was with a woman on uh, November 4th uh, between the, the son and the, the mother. It lasted several minutes. They said the woman is wheelchair bound. Told officers um, uh, that evidently oh, uh, oh, excuse me, aggravated her. It was with another woman, not with her son, but with another woman. She's uh, wheelchair bound. Uh, they were arguing over a hamburger. So the woman in, in Memphis then said to the other woman who was in a wheelchair, have fun getting out of the house, expletive, slammed the door, went outside, and moments later, flames were seen coming through the porch. I didn't say it. You can say flame broiled. I'm not going to say that. That's rude. I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. Not a chance. Also, we've probably all been thinking the same thing, and that is that if time travel is possible, why haven't we met a time traveler? Well, we have. We have now met a time traveler. And why is that? Because of TikTok. Yeah. God bless TikTok. I mean, if you just want the dumbest social media app, TikTok. It's fantastic. Uh, So now there's a uh, self-professed time traveler who says that uh, it's happening. Um TikToker Time Voyaging's video claims that they are a time traveler who's here from the year 2906, which is pretty random. So random, it must be true. Basically, uh, centuries ahead of our time, which is nice, says uh, in the video, attention, yes, I am a real time traveler. Our universe is in a very large jar. No word on whether that's a mason jar or a ball jar or a cur jar. Um, Our universe was created by someone whose universe is also in a jar. Mind blown. We're a jar inside a jar. On March 2nd, 2023, a universal jar will be found, which was created by a kid by the name of Edward Thorne. The jar was a science project, and it will lead to many amazing discoveries. We don't have much of an impact on those who created us, but we can impact the ones we created. So evidently, some kid with a science project is going to create the universe in a jar as part of a science project. That's awesome. I mean, it sounds like the premise of a bad DreamWorks uh, pixel movie, Pixar movie, doesn't it? Oh, doesn't it sound fantastic? I can't wait. I can't wait to go find the edge of the jar. Wouldn't I just blow the mind of the flat earthers? Like, aha, flat earthers, you were wrong all along. The earth isn't flat. It's jar shaped. If you get to the end of the ocean, you don't fall off. You just kind of Run up against a wall like the Truman Show. There you are. Finally, the National Park Service has uh, issued a warning. Uh, they would like for their guests to stop doing this. As we know, sometimes people tend to get a little bit goofy. 
and uh, when they do, uh, a, a warning has to come out. And sometimes those warnings feel obvious. Sometimes those warnings feel silly, almost. But this one is real. The National Park Service is warning people not to go near, pet, or feed wildlife. Right? Sure, that makes perfect sense. They've also added, please stop licking the Sonoran Desert Toad to their list of warnings. Yeah. As we say, with most things you come across on a national park, whether it be a banana slug, unfamiliar mushroom, or a large toad with glowing eyes in the dead of night, please refrain from licking. The toad is also known as the Colorado River Toad. It's about seven inches in size, carries a weak, low-pitched ribbit sound. The creature is far less from harmless. Sonoran desert toads create a a potent toxin that can make people sick if they touch it or get the poison in their mouth, according to the National Park Service. So the warning from the Park Service is, please don't lick the toad. We don't want you to croak. I wrote that one myself. Yes. Yes. Tonight's show, here I come. Listen, it's been an absolute honor and a pleasure to be back with you. I love uh, I love being on the RADIO in Phoenix. I have loved it for uh, going on uh, six years now. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love filling in for Mike. And might I say, I love listening to Mike's show. I, I think Mike is doing a tremendous job from the bottom of my heart. I think Mike is doing a really tremendous job. I think his show keeps getting better and better and better. Uh, and I think it's getting the accolades it deserves. He's doing a great job. So thank you so much for checking out uh, uh, this program. Mike should be back tomorrow. Uh, I'll be back again, I think, uh, around Christmas time. We'll have a chance to talk uh, one more time. Quick reminder, after the news expansion here at noon, Jim Sharp's got a very special election show coming up at 1215. Um, so one of the most credible names in news in the Valley uh, is going to join you then at 1215 right here on KTAR. KTAR.